Well, I'm not a crook. That's one small step for man, one giant leap for mankind. I have a dream. All I ask of our brethren is that they take their feet off our necks. It transcends the senses. This is Murder of Grey. Hello, I'm Christian. I'm Chris. And this is the Murder of Grey podcast. Hello and thank you guys for joining us in another fun and exciting week as we dive into various moral and ethical dilemmas. We are taking a little break from, from our little philosophers and we hope you enjoyed that miniseries. And if you have not checked it out yet, please do. It's been a lot of fun actually diving through different philosophers from over time. Now, this week, we are going to be tackling a very interesting dilemma, one that is pretty close to our heart, I would say. And that is the idea of AI art or artificially or art developed by artificial intelligence, which a lot of people are saying is not true art. It can't be art because it is not made by human hand. Well, Human hands made the codes that make it happen. Human hands made the programs, made the computer, made the images that the AI is pulling from. So is it really not made by humans? I think that's a very important question that we will be diving into today, as well as some other interesting ideas behind art that are kind of pertain to this subject matter in place. So. Before we dive right into what AI-generated art is and all that stuff, why don't we dive into our own minds here and kind of give our like gut reaction to AI art. Like, how do we actually feel about this medium or if it even deserves to be called a new art medium? I think that is kind of an interesting debate there but that's kind of the whole point of this right that's what we're doing we're debating and figuring it out (laughs) yeah (laughs) so that's that's the fun part but when it comes to ai art or at least whenever you first heard about it start seeing some of these images floating around what's your instant gut reaction on them like do you feel that they are evocative enough do they give you those same feelings when you look at a actual painting or you know, a beautiful picture or, you know, whatever it may be. I think it can be. I'm just one of those goofballs that will put a SpongeBob in a gangster outfit in bikini bottom into the dolly and see what it gives me. You know, like the, the AI, like I love the goofy side that people do, you know, like it for me, it's weird. Like seeing how realistic some of them are now. Um, it's weird. Cause I know the Dolly mini was the one that I probably most familiar with. And I think a lot of people are too. Mm-hmm. And it, <laughs> at first I didn't take it seriously because the images were so rough looking. Mm-hmm. It didn't look, I don't say like art. It just looked weird. You know, it, it didn't look, the faces were all like 
weird and colors were off. And then I'm looking at images now of like Dolly 2 and Mid Journey, and I'm like, okay, like this is whoa. You know, well, it's actually before we go too too far into this, what exactly for the listeners that might not know, what is Dolly Mini and Dolly Two? Like, what are you talking about? So, they're art, uh, basically websites. Uh, it's the AI art generators. Uh, there's kind of three known brands. Uh, Dolly, I think, is probably the most popular. It <laughs> kind of got popular, maybe. Oh God, last month which would be July uh, 2022. Mm -hmm. um, the Dolly Mini is kind of available for everyone. I think they rebranded as Crayon with AI in it. Um, and basically, you just type in a bunch of words, and then it'll give you a nine-panel, uh, like nine images, right, of images that would be similar to what you typed. And... You could really type anything in this. Like I, not just me, but I know a lot of other people. And if you've been on Twitter or any any kind of website that social media where people post a bunch of images, you've probably seen some form from that site because it's the most accessible. Um, a lot of the other two that I'm going to talk about, they're more invite only or sign up only, which kind of like, Dieter's people away from it, you know, whereas the dolly, everyone can just type in something, get your results done. Mm -hmm. um, uh, the dolly two is in beta and it's uh, a wait list. I am currently on the wait list. I know two of my friends who are already in it and they've already shown me some stuff on it and I'm like, I just want to get in. I, I want to mess around with it. Uh, because it's a big evolution in just the two programs. Mm -hmm. um, but the Dolly, I think, is the big one that most people know because of haha funny images. Mm -hmm. Otherwise, there's Mid Journey. Um, I think that one has a paid version and a regular version. And I think with the paid one, there's definitely more rights that you get mm. um with certain things not so much copyright like i'll get in the copyright later because that i think that's a really important topic with this stuff later on yeah but um mid journey is one and then disco diffusion is the the third one which i honestly didn't really know about because i never really i think that one is maybe the most interesting one and sense because it's so rough to it, it when you go to the website it literally looks like just a string of code mm. and it's interesting because it really feels like that would be for like the coders right whereas like the dolly is kind of like for your average everyday person whereas disco diffusion it's more I don't want to say harder to get into. I'm trying to think of a word that's similar to that, though. But um, mm. it's it's not as simple, but it it looks great too. You know, these three there. I know there's more AI art programs out there, especially ones that aren't available to the public. Um, but those are the three that are, and for the most part, they're all pretty accessible. And <laughs> these websites are basically run by you know graphics cards, CPUs, uh, over a cloud network, 
And with the Dolly, it's interesting because the Dolly Mini, there were times where I tried to use it and it was like, oh, servers seeing too many people use it right now, come back later. And this happens to the other ones too, is that you're kind of like on a wait list, um, at least with like Mid Journey and I think Disco, where you wait for your ticket and then, you know, when you type in your stuff, a GPU is being used over the cloud, right? And kind of depending on the time of day, you know, you could be getting a faster graphics card versus a lower end one. So your art will take longer mm. and stuff like that. Um, but I mean, when you think about it, there's only limited, you know, of these machines over the cloud. So when there's a high amount of traffic going to these websites doing this, you either won't be able to do the art or you have to wait. Mm-hmm. And I think once the Dolly got popular, there was a point I couldn't access it for like probably a few days, even at like three in the morning. Oh, like wow. people were still trying to use it. And uh, it's interesting, you know, like I, my, I'll go real quick with this. My first experience with AI art that I really noticed was. Uh, maybe a little while ago, I was kind of in the crypto and stuff like that. And I remember being on uh, OpenSea, which is an NFT marketplace. I know I don't really care for NFTs, but at the end of the day, there was a uh, there was a page on there, and basically they were selling AI art, and mm-hmm. like this art looked phenomenal. Like it looked like period pieces, you know, like expressionism, like oil, you know it it looked like someone really painted it. It didn't look like any of these like slapped together images that we see through these programs. Like you can tell this is a private program that's being used. Mm -hmm. And I was like, wow, like AI can do that. Like it, it kind of blew my mind when I saw that, you know, cause I didn't, I mean, looking at it now and what I know, how it works, it makes sense. But at the time I was like, man, that's crazy. Like if, they're able to make like art that looks like you know from the renaissance like that's crazy it's weird but uh yeah and i kind of totally forgot about the whole idea until i noticed dolly and everyone posting stuff and i'm like oh this is the future huh but that was my long my long story i know i was just supposed to talk about the websites but boom (laughs) no it's all good it's all good so yeah i mean ar AI art is such an interesting field to kind of get into and to really like dive into. And so you mentioned a lot about the websites and things like that, but the way that these images are actually generated and typically the the formula is you type in a phrase of words, um, whatever it may be, right? And you mm-hmm. can be very uh, straightforward and poignant with your phrasing, or you can just type in a string of randomness, right? And see what comes out of it. And I think that's kind of the beauty of this. But what it will do is typically it will generate about nine images for you. You can pick one or screenshot all of them just depending on how you want. Um, it's usually in like square format, it seems like. That seems to be like mm-hmm. the typical thing with these. And I think that's kind of a good uh, giveaway as far as if it's AI, AI art or not is the actual structure of the painting itself or the artwork um, it, you know, opposed to like landscape, portrait, things like that. But we are seeing a lot of AI art being generated that are, you know, 
in different formats than square format. So it's it's becoming harder to tell the difference. And some of these paintings are fantastic. Some of them are just downright gorgeous to look at. And then mm-hmm. others, you look at them and it's it's almost too perfect, right? It, it's it's missing that human element. It's missing the the mistakes and the errors and the overpainting and things like that. And for those of you who don't know what overpainting is, it's literally just going over a painting with something else. Or like there's an area that, oh, I don't really like where this foot is, so I'm just going to paint over it with something else and correct it, right? And those things do show through, especially with older paintings. You're able to see some of the mistakes and some of the things that they wanted to paint over in the past, which is what makes them so interesting to look at. You see the process of the artists themselves. And I think Mm -hmm. that's one of the things that I absolutely love about art is actually seeing the process of the medium or or of the artwork. So seeing the sketches, seeing the thoughts that went into making it an actual piece. Now, yeah, sure, this version of artwork is taking away that element because you're just watching like a loading screen for a while and then your artwork pops up. But And also a lot of people are critiquing the fact that you just type in some words, hit a button, and then get images and here you go you know bob's your uncle you're an artist now because you can type in a string of words and press a button well like the argument is not far off from things that we've had in the past but before i dive too far into that rabbit hole i do want to kind of go over how these are or how these pieces are actually being generated and what is backing them or how or what is creating them right and it is all, you know, think like procedural generation in video games, even. It's basically that same concept, which is really interesting. But what they're doing is they have, it's called uh, generative models. And what they're doing is the each one of these sites or these, uh, these software or the software, it has a large database of millions of paintings, of artworks, of photographs, and things like that to pull from. And it's using AI recognition to find subject matter within those uh, paintings and to categorize them in certain ways so that it's able to pull elements from those. But one of the things that they claim, at least, is that they will never have the same. It won't be the same as the reference, right? It is going to be unique in some aspect. It won't it won't be just copy and paste. At least that's what it claims. But whenever you get something like, like for one, I actually just did was a murder of gray crow moral dilemmas. I just straight up got nine pictures of a crow. (laughs) That's it. Like, and it's just all the same angle. (laughs) They're all looking the same direction. And it's just straight up. It's a photograph of a crow. Like there's no, (laughs) there's nothing (laughs) like the extra there. So to say that it's not, you know, taking directly from the reference material is kind of, yeah, no, I don't really 100% believe that. And I think that's where a lot of the issues are coming up here. And a lot of the things like you mentioned with like the copyright and stuff like that. So it's, it is a very tough area to kind of like navigate through as far as that goes. Now, with all of its issues, we've seen this before in art. We've seen it before a lot in artwork. Anytime that there is a new movement, then we get backlash for it. And there are people who say that this is not art. This is ridiculous. How can you call it that? How can we ever appreciate it? You know, like it happens constantly 
And one of the biggest areas that I would say it happened, I mean, you can go as far back to the fine art era, like even during the Renaissance or, you know, cubism. Cubism was looked at garb as garbage before it became popular, right? Like uh, surrealism was not really like looked at as art before it was. Pop art was looked at just as commercialism, but now it is, you know, popularized art. It's, 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 in, it's in books is what we're taught in art history, right? Like it's, it is art now whenever it wasn't considered that during the time it came out. And I think it was something that would be more directly relevant to AI art specifically is photographs. When the camera was first invented, photographs were not thought of as art. And there was a huge backlash for that saying, how can someone just press a button and you consider that a piece of art? Well, now we know it takes skill to take a really great picture, especially whenever you see all these people. Everyone has a camera in the back pocket now, and a lot of those pictures are not great. You wouldn't consider them masterpiece artworks. So it takes a lot of work to actually frame things properly, to get the right lighting, to find the right subject matter to, in order to evoke the right emotions that you're trying to get in that shot. And there's a lot more that goes into it than just clicking a button. but when we look at AI art, that's exactly what we're doing here. We're setting the stage. We're putting in the words. We're, th we're looking at the sub or we're thinking about the subject matter that we want to see be generated. And then when things are all laid out, we have the phrase that we found, we click the button and our art is generated. Now, is it always good? No, I can tell you it's not, especially when looking at this murder of Greg Crow more dilemmas. That phrase obviously doesn't work. <laughs> it needs something different. So it it is a very, I mean, it's still learning. It's still getting there. Now, to say that this is the future of art and it's going to take away jobs from actual artists out there, no, I absolutely don't think it will. Now, are there going to be people who want the cheaper aspect and might go for AI art instead of hiring someone? Yeah, sure. Of course there are. But we see that in graphic design now, too, where people are undercutting each other and they'll just get somebody who's willing to do it from across the world for pennies on the dollar instead of hiring a graphic artist in their hometown. Like it's mm -hmm. just, we're seeing that now already. And if they want bad art and just, you know, rinse and repeat logos, cool, let them have that. It's not going to affect you because you're still going to get jobs. You're still going to find like there's still people out there that are going to want quality work and actual hand-drawn work from artists. So yeah, I, I don't see it really taking away. And I mean, even look at something like Photoshop or Illustrator. That's another computer tool that has now upgraded the medium. I mean, digital art was looked at as garbage for a long time. It wasn't art. Even whenever I first started digital art, I was like, oh, cool. So I can just copy and paste and make things perfectly symmetrical. All right. There goes all the skill. Like there is no skill that gets put into that. And now I know how dumb I sound because there's a lot of skill that goes into digital art. It's just learning a new medium. So there really is no difference. With this, we're learning a new medium. And it's not just us anymore. It's not just artists. Now it is engineers that are getting into the field. And I would consider engineers or even anyone that makes something that is just a maker to be an artist.
anyone that makes anything out there is an artist. I don't care what anybody says. You're making something. You're creating something. Whether it's a brushstroke or a keystroke, you are creating something. And someone had to create the algorithm in order to generate these pictures, to generate this imagery. So I think that is the mark of an artist, is creating something. You, like, I mean, look at... um. I'm going on like a crazy tangent spiel right here, but like, look at performance art. That is a non-tangible thing. You can't keep that with you, but you can keep the emotions and the memory of it. But that's art still, regardless of the fact. And some performance art pieces, I've not to be like one of those guys, but like I've seen a lot of performance art, and a lot of them I look at them like really like. Uh, okay flash mobs neat oh god yeah no no that's <laughs> but that's that's performance art you're creating no. a movement you're creating an emotion you're creating a memory that's that is performance art i've seen some really like sketchy ones out there too some weird ones some stuff where it's like really cringy but i've seen some that are just like you're just sitting there bro like, <laughs> like there was that one nothing. where it's like uh, there was like a woman and a man sitting across from each other from a table for like I don't know how long I think it was like an hour or two yeah and that was like the performance art like it's famous I think yeah I can't think of the names but I'm like <sighs> I know which one I, like, I can't yeah like you said like performance art for me it's very if people really look then and be like oh this is high art I'm sitting there thinking like god damn it I should be an artist like <laughs> it it's I respect people that, you know, have an eye or creative side. Because, I mean, I feel like I am creative. I just don't utilize it, Mm -hmm. which I hate. I really need to sit down and actually get back into creating again. But I see people do, like, the most simple, simplest kind of, like, performance art. And I'm just like, God damn it. Mm -hmm. Like, I should have shot my shot yeah but i think kind of going over what you said something i really noticed about that humans have over ai when it comes to art and i don't know if ai will ever get this maybe in a decade or two i don't know think they're able to do some pretty crazy stuff pretty quickly with coding but generation of ideas and the ability to turn a concept or emotion or even like a theme into a workable plan right Mm -hmm. like ai can't it can't just generate ideas unless you give it ideas right so it's Mm -hmm. like unless someone's sitting there coming up with ideas for it it, it's not going to take away a job or it's not going to take away anything and once this AI does the art, it's not like it can go back and rechange it. You know, someone's mm-hmm. gonna have to go through and touch it up. So I'm thinking, you know, what if someone, like a business, they they want to create AI artwork because they think it's easy. You know, they create it, they ended up being like, well, I kind of want this changed. You know, because they didn't get their full like, they didn't get exactly what they want. Mm-hmm. And they're gonna have another artist come in and retouch it. And right. it's something to me is that. If you're looking for a specific piece of work for your business, for anything, I doubt AI art will get exactly like what you're looking for. Even if you put in all of the 
the keywords that you really want. And if you do, it's not like you have really full control of the colors or anything like that. You know, it it's different when it's a human because then that way, like, you can literally spout everything you want to this person and they're able to do it. Mm-hmm. And like you said, too, like, the people that create these programs, they are artists. You know, you think about anyone that creates anything is an artist. You know, you look at artisan bread. You look at all, like, food. Food's another thing. A lot of people don't think food can be art, but you can it do is. some crazy stuff with food. Yeah. You know, it's it's interesting. Like, really, I mean, even content creation, like, videos and stuff could be art. I mean, you could also argue that that goes hand-in-hand with film, but a lot of people don't count, like, say, YouTube content creation as art, which... Mm. It varies, you know, there's a lot of junk out there, but I've seen some really good videos that rival film and, you know, it can be art. Well, cinematography is art, so. Yeah. I mean, in our other podcast, we talked about can video games be art? And that's another thing. You know, someone did sit there, create something. They created the art for the game, Mm -hmm. you know, so you could say that within that there is art. And with AI, it's like you said with the camera. I think you said it so perfectly. Like it's a tool that someone uses Mm -hmm. that has a vision and it may not be exactly what the person would want, but it's still a tool that gets used. And I think that, you know, AI art is still real art. Yeah. I think it's a really great jumping off point. You mentioned it, like uh, talking about businesses that are looking for something specific for their for their for their establishment. I think this is a really great way of putting in maybe even putting in like their their mission statement and seeing what pops up and seeing what images are because these databases are so huge. Like actually having a strong database like that, it gives you images that you might not have thought of that actually evoke the emotions that are happening in your mission statement. Then you can take those shots to an artist, to a graphic designer and say like, hey, like we actually want to use this, this and this incorporated within our logo or whatever it may be. And I think that it's a great way and a really easy resource to find something that will help at least help put convey your message into images is to convert your words to images so that you can pass it on to an actual graphic designer to use them and to be uh, to be able to convey what you're trying to get easier because I can't tell you how many times I talk to people especially right now too and it where we're looking at various like flyers and things like that that need to be made and they don't know how to express the imagery that they want to be seen or how they want it to be, how they want it to look. But if they were able to put all those words, like just string of words together and have a frame of reference, I think that would be really beneficial and just be a really good tool to be used as a conversation piece between artists and non-artists who are looking to, you know, change something in their logos or whatever it may be. So that is pretty cool. Ooh, and on a side note, I have been kind of rolling the dice on this uh, mini dolly or dolly mini. And mm-hmm. I we're definitely going to probably have to post this one because this is a pretty good one, I think. So oh boy. be on the lookout for that. So I, the phrasing that I put in was moral, moral ethical dilemmas, crow renaissance painting surreal. And it's actually pretty cool. 
I'm not going to lie. I actually like this little little bit here. But anyway, yeah, be on the lookout for that on the social medias. It's going to be a fun one. You know, like the, this is tough for me because I, I have a hard time with this one because I, I can't like coming from both an artist background and a computer science background. I get really upset with people whenever they say like because I've heard a lot of coders say, oh, I'm not an artist. I'm not a creative. But you are. Right. And the people who make these things are that exactly. So it's, it's to say that they're not artists. The people who made this are artists. And, and actually, I would even say that the people who come up with the phrases themselves are artists. Because think about this, like with poetry and, and haikus or just like short term, like just any collection of words. Like even there's, I forgot the author, but they, they said that the most beautiful pair of words in the English uh, language is cellar door. And it's just like, okay, what? yeah, it's just like, okay, cool. But they, they were praised for something as silly as that. But it's just a, a collection of words. It's just a phrase. It means nothing. But it may it might evoke some sort of emotions. And that's exactly what we're doing here when we're generating AI art. So I can't see the big difference here. Because it's not going to take over and... and you know, ruin art for artists as people think it is, it's, it's not going to change things. People are going to still appreciate hand drawn, you know, how like actually having a human hand behind it as far as like a, right. a paintbrush and things like that, physical media resource. Now, I'm go ahead. I'm thinking, you know, that I mean, that's already with products nowadays, you know, people can pick between something that was created by a machine or something handmade, you know, like certain clothing and stuff people people respect the handmade stuff by people because they know the work that went into it that's a good point it might yeah. be more expensive which you know think about art if you want something done by a real person you know expect to pay a little bit more because more work really went into it at the end of the day mm -hmm. and it's by the way the middle picture yeah. for the, the the yeah dolly thing you did is I think that's my favorite out of the nine images for sure. It it, looks so it's insane. Yeah. And yeah, it's, I'm sorry. I'm just like lost in that. Like I, <laughs> something I love about the dolly, I feel like compared to the others, it has a really good way with surrealistic art. Mm -hmm. Whereas like disco diffusion is more realistic. Like mm -hmm. I can't think of it's not expressionism. It's it, I really can't think of the term. There's so many different art styles in my head right now. Mm -hmm. But like that program is so good at a lot of other styles. But the dolly is just so good at surrealism and like using like a real image. But that that's my little side diversion. Sorry. No, you're fine. Yeah, I, I was just gonna say that you know, like I, the more I'm playing around with this tool as well, because I. It is really fun to do it, honestly. It's fun to just kind of see what happens, what comes up, what kind of new phrase I can think of. But like when the people who are being really successful in this aspect and the ones who are selling these paintings for 
quite a good amount of money, not going to lie. Like some of these paintings do go for quote unquote paintings, right? Some of these images, I guess is going to be the better way of putting it, are, are going for quite a bit of money. They are weaving these words to find the best sort of phrases and to get the most out of this medium. And like it's it's weaving it like almost alchemy like where you're taking just randomness and garbage and throwing it out there to then find gold. And it's it's kind of like a fun little scavenger hunt. I'm like in my free time, I'm probably just going to be throwing in random words and seeing what happens and seeing what clicks because it's kind of it's pretty neat, actually. (laughs) And do you want to mess with this some more? And just kind of see what happens. And it is kind of fun too because you can keep plugging in the same phrase over and over again. And you're actually going to get different re- or different images each time. So you could just kind of keep rolling the dice on that specific phrase until you see something that you actually enjoy. That's uh, something I want to touch on too is that you'll never really get, you'll never get the same image again. Mm-hmm. You know, with your phrase because it just, it keeps learning. With each time you put it in, it learns. It's weird, but... I remember when I first found out about this, there was, for some reason, I kept doing SpongeBob and a lot of these things, <laughs> or like SpongeBob meets, I don't know, I had SpongeBob meets Joe Biden randomly. And <laughs> it, it couldn't get Biden's face down, it couldn't get SpongeBob's face down. And then recently I did another SpongeBob thing, and his face was like almost perfect. And I'm like, it's crazy how over time it kind of learns, mm. you know, but. At the end of the day, you know, none of these images can be replicated because it just it keeps learning with each time you're putting in a term. And it's it's honestly really fascinating to see. Yeah, I'm I get really excited about this kind of stuff. Like it's it's weird. It makes me. It almost makes me want to create art. I know I'm not good enough to make this kind of art in general myself but it's weird how this kind of motivates me to do art right it it makes it accessible which i think is really important for for a very long time not just art but just anything in general any skill or or like just something like this anything that you're creating something has been put behind a gate of you need to know the materials in order to actually do it. Well, how do you learn the materials or how do you know how to use the materials without first learning how to use them? And I I have actually been running into this issue a lot in the job that I'm doing with a lot of these kids that are coming in and they look at the robotics and their instant gut reaction is, I can't do this. I, I, I'm not smart enough or I don't know what these things are. I've never, you know, but it just takes actually playing with the material. And I think that's where like, I've changed things up where we don't necessarily follow a step by step. We do it to build their confidence, but then I keep throwing little things at them where they have to start thinking a little bit more critically about the materials they're using. And then they realize, oh, like, I actually know what I'm doing. I can do this. I can create. I can be creative. I don't need to just be, just do sports or whatever it may be. Like, I I have an actual student right now that said, I was told by my parents that I'm only good for one thing, and that's sports. I will never be a creative. I don't get robots. I don't understand this. I'm not good at it. I've never, like, this is not my thing. And he's 10. And that is very disheartening to hear. And I just kept pushing him. Every time he came in, I was like, hey, like, let's just keep going through. 
until you like let's get more comfortable with this let's see what this motor does we're going to break it down one motor at a time one function at a time until you get that confidence and just two days ago he finished his very first robot that he ever completed it took him two months right it took a long time for him to actually do that and he got discouraged a lot because he was seeing other kids around him making destroying making again all within that one small time frame and they've made they've made probably like 20 30 robots by the time he's made one. But seeing that light go off in his eyes and seeing that click of, I can do more. I get this. I like this. I like making. Making is fun. And it, there is no restriction behind it. it. It is really for everybody. And that's how it should be. But I think one of the bad things about... I mean, it's going to sound kind of weird or mean, but like, I don't mean to bash any like artists out there, but that is one of the, if, if you are an artist, you probably understand this. One of the bad things about art are the people or are the artists because they, they're ruthless. They want to push you down. They want to call you out. They want to critique the hell out of you for no real good reason. And they call out petty things that, don't make sense half the time. And, you know, some people who are listening might think that I've just been critiqued really hard in my life. And yeah, I have. But you take the critique and you 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 accept it. That's the whole point of an art critique. But some people critique just to be like to sound smart, to sound educated, to sound like professional. And it it's not where it should be. And it's a little disheartening. And I can see how it can be very disheartening for children, too. And I think that's the biggest shame here. Whereas with this, like, I feel like with this can be a really nice way of, like you said, this is a really good jumping off point. This is a good reference tool. So going from this and then taking it and taking it into an interesting creative field and seeing what else you can add to it. How does it inspire you? What else can we do? That's really interesting and really exciting to see. So I, I don't know. I, I'm really curious to see what can come from this and i don't i don't think it's going to really hurt anything i just think it's going to make everything better it's going to give us things that we've never even thought about and like make weird compositions where you're like oh my god that works well yeah it's weird it actually does work i like it for some reason it almost will allow us to create an idea of an image that we can then our, ourselves draw a better image of you know i think about Say you throw in keywords, right? And you see what the AI comes with. And then you're like, hmm, I kind of got an idea with what I want, but it's none of these. And then you go and create it yourself mm -hmm. with your own artistic skills. And that's kind of like how I'm thinking about it. And I don't know. Like, it's just. I think, I think that's a very empowering way of thinking about it. And I think that's how we should be viewing this. This is not a game breaker. It's a game changer. This is a new tool for us to use in our toolbook. And honestly, think about it this way. This is something that is going through millions of images, images that you have never seen before, never known existed. Someone has gathered all those images for this database to go through. So it is the ultimate reference book. That's what this is. This is an amazing reference tool. And it the more I'm like diving into it, the, more, the better I think it is. Like, yeah, sure, there's issues behind it. Sure, yeah, okay. 
Like there's a lot of copyright things. Some people might not want their images in this database. I understand that. And if they don't, then they should have the power to have their imagery pulled from that database. But I think if you are an artist and you're actively sharing your artwork out there, you're in a database. Like you should be okay with it being used because it's going to be inspiring other people. And that's kind of that should be the point of being an artist is to inspire and evoke emotions in others. And your artwork is now being used to do so, which I think is pretty fantastic, in my opinion. Mm -hmm. Now, another thing, and I think this is probably the biggest and most uh, crucial reason why AI art is here to stay. And I think this is kind of putting that final pin in that this is art. This is something to pay attention to. This is just a new medium, a new way of expressing yourself is that they're actually, so the Christie's auction in New York City is one of the biggest auction houses for art. It is one of the most famous auction houses in the world for art. And they actually have curated and sold the most expensive AI-generated artwork. So that artwork was actually a portrait, and it was called Edmund de Balani. And it sold for $435,000. Damn. $435,000. Now, if that is not justification that this is art, then I don't really know what is. The fact that one of the biggest art curators in the world would, took the chance and took the Campbell and put it in their auction, like that says something. That's a very powerful thing. I mean, Christie's Auction House is the one that has, they're the ones that sold the most expensive painting in the entire world. And I think this is, so what this is doing, or what this point right here, what I'm, I'm trying to make is doing, is doing two separate things. One, it is validating AI art as an actual art form, in my opinion. And I'm not, if you disagree, that's fine. It's totally fine. You can totally disagree with this and say it's not art. I totally understand. I get it. But I think that this is actually for like the art world. This is something that is validating it is because it was sold at Christie's and they've curated it. And the another thing it's doing is that it is showing that there is a big difference between AI generated art and actual hand painted artwork. Now, the reason why I bring that up is because the Christie's art auction house actually sold the most expensive painting in the world the Salvador Mundi. And there's a big controversy behind the Salvador Mundi that we can make a whole episode about because it is kind of an insane story as far as that goes. But the Salvador Mundi sold for $450 million. $450 million. Jesus. And this AI art sold for 435000 Okay? That's a fraction of that. Fraction. Now, if you ever think that you're never going to make as much art or much money now because AI art is around, just look at those numbers, man. Like actual painted things will go for more. That's just how it is. It makes sense. And what's even crazier when you think about it is that the Salvador Mundi painting, yes, it is said to be a Da Vinci painting. That is how Christie's Auction House um, showcased it. But it might not actually be a real da vinci painting it might have come out from his the da vinci studios which i think is another mm. important aspect to think about when we think about art now a lot of these big famous artists 
didn't actually paint all of the things that they've been attributed to. And it's kind of similar to what we ran into with the philosophers. Not every philosopher actually came up with the theories and things that they've said. It was the followers. But the head of the, 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 the I guess you could say, quote unquote, cult, right? Especially in Pythagoras's um, story, it, it all comes back to them. It is their theory because it was inspired by them. So it is a very interesting argument there and a very interesting thing to discuss as well is it, it, the fact that this came from potentially, and a lot of people actually do believe it came from the studio itself. So it wasn't actually Da Vinci's painting. It still sold for $450 million because somebody thought it did. I mean, they had five experts look at it, and only one of them said it was actually Da Vinci. The other one said, there's no way of uh, knowing, so we won't actually say that. We don't want our name behind that. So it's, it's kind, of a, kind of a weird thing to think about, right? Like, and that goes more into the question of, it's, is that really... Like, when you think you're getting a Da Vinci and you might be getting something from a studio, does that tarnish the painting? Does it make it less appealing? Does it give us less emotion? Does it does it make you feel less? No. It's still a gorgeous painting. Still very well done. And then think mm -hmm. about restorations. People, people think that restoration is you're just cleaning a painting. No. Most of the times, restorations, they're repainting the painting. That paint that you have on there is no longer the paint that the original artist put onto the palette. It is now from someone in a museum that just spent a long time repainting this painting. And does that still make it theirs? Does it still make it the artist's painting? I, I don't know. That's a tough question right there. But it's it's all the same thing. The, the big question here is what is art? And art is just something to make you feel. It's something to express an emotion, to express an idea. And the ideas that it is expressing when it comes to AI art is that phrase that you put in there. It's that emotion that you're feeling that day or at that moment when you're typing in your random words. If you want to type in something silly, well, guess what? You're going to get something silly in return. But that's the emotion. That's the feeling that you were having at that moment. If you type in something dark or something meaningful to the chapter of your life, it's going to generate something like that as well. And that is exactly what painting it would have done. Just in a slower process, I guess. But yeah. anyway, I think that's going to do it for us this week. Thank you guys so, so, so much for listening in. And what do you guys think? Do you really think that AI art is actually art? Or is it just code? Is it lifeless? Oh, let's find out. Let us know on the socials and all that fun stuff. And we do have a pretty cool little Discord channel for not just this show, but the Cubeverse in general. That you guys can hop in and chat about our various shows that we have on our network. Please tag along, find us on socials and all that fun stuff and join in the conversation. But with that, we will talk to you guys next week. And bye for now. Bye.